So I got nothing, Jess. I I kind of wanted to just uh, uh, just tell you some personal shit since okay. you're basically like my you're basically my therapist, Jess. You know this. Like, let's oh, let's stop beating okay. around the bush, right? This is All right. This people are just listening on therapy sessions here at this point, right? Yeah, it, it that does that does make me feel kind of, some kind of ways. It, it feels like like I feel better after doing this, but then I feel guilty because I'm just putting it out there, and people are listening. And like, what are they supposed to th- like? Did I just dump? Did I just like do some transfer of negative energy out to other people, <laughs> and now they just have to freaking deal with it? Like, and the only way they're going to be able to deal with it is if they find other friends to talk to, and then like this is just some like the ring situation, but for like. Like just passing it on existential angst. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're well. There, people are eavesdropping on us, right? Yeah. And, well, yeah. I just unload personal. But here's the thing: I try not to, since I only I'm joking. We're friends, and I'm telling you stories as a friend. I will not just. I, oh, I hope I don't just unload shit on you, just to you know. I I think I'm just trying to. Here's what I think. I have really come to understand that that you got to understand or we understand the world in terms of stories and narrative. There's got to be like a beginning, middle and end, mm-hmm. you know, and some conflict. And uh, I try to tell you stories. I try to tell you stories. That's mm. what I'm trying to tell you. I'm not trying to give you like my issues and be like, here, you figure it out for me. I'm just I got a story. And I think I tell you because I want to know. Does it make sense to you? Does that mean? Does that make sense? You know, like I just yes, like I've got a story in my head. It makes sense to me, and I want to share the story because I'm like, can, can is this a you know? Am I is there, is there some meaning to this? Anyway, so do you remember like a few several months ago? I went on my bachelor party to Florida and the strip club, and then I we did a whole bonus episode about that. Yeah, me and a couple thousand people know about know about that story, buddy. <laughs> Patreon only, so maybe two hundred fifty. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and um, there was one point where I told you I dropped like a few thousand dollars that night, and and I said I, that I saw it as an investment in my friendship. Mm-hmm. And you kind of you kind of left at that like that's an interesting way of looking at it. Well, guess what, Jess. It came full. Well, you kind of know the story, but it kind of came full circle. Yeah. And uh, I've been thinking, I don't know, you know, it was one of these things where, um, so my friend down in Florida is, uh, is a bones, is a bone doctor, an ortho surgeon. And mm-hmm. I had seen him in a while. And like I told you about the whole thing, we went out to uh, the strip club for my bachelor party. And then, but I actually ended up sending him to, the back, let's say, uh, for various reasons. It's very complicated. Won't get into here. But um, I had like a, I felt after that evening that I had a little, I was in the black with him, you know? I had a little mm-hmm. bit of credit on my on my side of the ledger. And I never thought, I didn't know why. I was like, I don't know. That just felt like the right thing to do. Anyway, background to all of this is my, um, I don't even know why is this a podcast. I don't know. It's because it's the end of summer. I got we we did a series, whole series of very serious Asian American issue ones, and I don't know. I feel like just telling a story. Yeah, dude. And, like we ask ourselves, like, okay, what's on everyone's mind? And it's like uh, you're you're supposing that there is a mind that something is on at this point. I'm just mush <laughs> right now. <laughs> why? Because you're working too hard, or no? It's just I mean, kind mm-hmm. of, but also, so I, I'm checked out of like everything i have oh, no okay. idea what's going on but yeah. also just like it's summer it's it's super hot it's just like ugh. yeah like ugh. lazy time <laughs> lazy time yeah yeah um yeah so we're just telling stories we're just telling stories i don't have any angle here there's no asian american you know political angle here um yeah. okay so the background to all this though is like oh I've got such a dysfunctional family. It's kind of a nightmare. Um, and by family, I mean like my parents and my sister, right? So the four mm-hmm. four person family. Mm-hmm. And my sister's significantly older than me. And she has two children, 
my parents have two grandkids. I have no kids. And it's just been this very weird, like, very painful freeze out, just a total freeze out that my sister uh, has imposed sort of on the rest of the family. Like, we never see her. You know, I, I go down re- fairly regularly to go see my parents. They're, they're older now. They're in their 80s. Um, and so especially during COVID and stuff, I'd go down there to try and keep them company and stuff. And I never see my sister. Ever. Never get invited mm-hmm. over her house. She lives like maybe 10 minutes away, you know? Never get invited over. Uh, my parents and I, you know, we text her. T- I tell her I'm coming down. No response. It's like she doesn't exist. Or we don't exist or something. And... You know, it got to the point where my mother was like visibly sort of distraught. My father was angry about it, but my mother was like distraught about it going, you know, I mean, understandable. I think she starts thinking like, hey, what did I do wrong? You know, you know, mm-hmm. and I, the best I could do just was just to be like, look, her generation, you know, they're not they're They're just very a lot of families are just very intensely like, you know, they're very inward looking to the family and I don't know they don't really give a shit about the outside world see I just said that I don't know how true that is but I don't know you tell me do you think there do you think there's an element of that at all like just in terms of how families are these days or is this kind of unique to my I know my sister's a little bit off the charts but yeah, I, don't I don't know, know. I think I think that's starting to sound more and more familiar really right uh, yeah well um I was reading a thing uh, like families are just more like like okay it's hard to characterize families, right? But you can characterize certain demographic patterns, right? So families tend to be much more spread apart. They're smaller for one thing, right? Like you have one sibling. I have one sibling. Um, it's rare to find like a like a family of like three kids, right? So families are smaller. Pretty rare. Just to, pretty rare. Yeah, it yeah. is pretty rare. Mm-hmm. And it happens two is, pretty two abruptly. Is the- Two is almost universal, like, that's almost the universal number. Yeah, like, I know way more people who are only kids than, like, Mm -hmm. uh, kids that have two siblings. Yeah. Right? Um, So families are just smaller, so there's more of a kind of a a load that's placed on each individual person, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. Families are more spread apart now. Um, Everyone tends to live by themselves, right? So, like, parents will live, uh, uh, my parents, like, uh, parents will live in like a house or something you know the kids will live in their own thing you um like you're separated from your you live pretty far from your sister right or wait no she's still well lives in the she city. lives 10 minutes from my parents in maryland maryland um okay. very close and uh i live in new york city okay so general principle I'm the, I'm the though, one, like you know? we're not we're not as close as uh like even in physical close physical proximity the way we would um we would normally be in mm-hmm. like pre post-industrial times yeah. right so that comes with a certain pressure right you and your sister are pretty far apart in age um i can kind of identify with that because i'm much older than my brother i'm eight years older than him mm-hmm. my only brother so it's a it's a pretty sick it's the gap's gotten smaller as we've gotten older like once we're all in the like you know fully adult bucket like there's not really that much variation in life experience at that point right It's just a matter of degree. I mean, taking all that into account, I still think that the majority, the bulk of what's going on is unique to my sister. I think so. So I I think we can talk about like like, not even returning texts. Like, yeah, that's that's on the extreme. So I think like generally we're all going to be a little bit more distant. We probably all have friends we're closer to than our fam than people in our own families, right? Um, But given that, I think that is still a little unique. Um, pretty unique to not even to like be that uh, to like even rebuff attempts to bridge the gap like through things like our smartphones and stuff like when mm-hmm. your sister probably never uh, never is never without her phone but still won't return a text like that's that's unique yeah okay so just like my sister is a very hard driving person she's a very like career oriented person very motivated and um there, you know, there was no falling out. There wasn't like one moment where the, and it wasn't always like this. You know, mm-hmm. it's like my parents were involved in like raising the, helping her raise the grandchildren and stuff. But mm-hmm. like, this is just happening. It, it, it became a little bit, it, it, it gradually became more and more like segregated and they were like, you know, sealed off from my parents. 
And then there was a period where only I was the one talking to her, and then she wouldn't talk to me anymore. But nothing happened. It wasn't like there was a falling out. It just slowly the gates came down, and they just fucking disappeared, man. You know, like just disappeared. And then I remember this one time my mom told me this uh, story, this pork chop incident, which I didn't really know. I mean, when I heard it, I was like, you know, that's kind of fucked up. And then I put it into the Discord to see what people thought. And everyone was like, yo, what the fuck, you know? And what happened was um, my, my net, like the traditionally what would happen is my sister would drop the nep- my nephews off, the grandkids off at my, my, at my parents' house on a Sunday while they ran a bunch of errands so that the grand, their, you know, the kids would spend a few hours with the grandparents like once a week, you know? And in that time, my parents, my, my parents bonded with them often by making them food. And they love uh, what the food that my um, parents feed them. And one of the things my mom makes are these uh, these pork chops, right? The kids love these pork chops. And so <clears throat> in the middle of this freeze-out period uh, earlier, I think earlier this year, um, my they did get a call, I think, from my brother-in-law that said that the kids really wanted to eat those pork chops. And my mom got really excited because she was like, oh, you know, that, that this is exactly what we miss is when they used to come over and eat the pork chops. So she made a whole bunch of them, right? And then come Sunday, they came over to the house. My The car was in the driveway, kids in the car. My sister, I believe, was driving or whatever. Car's still running. My brother-in-law gets out, knocks on the door and says, oh, we're here, ready for the pork chops. And my mom's like, great. And he was like, yeah, if you could just pack them up, please. And so she was like, what? And he was like, yeah, we're just going to take it to go. We're busy. And so she had to pack up all the pork chops that she made. My sister and the kids never even got out of the car. And she put them in a big bowl, put saran wrap on it. And he didn't even come in the house. He just sat on the porch the whole time. And then he was like, great, thanks. Ran into the car and off they went. And my mom was like, she she was like, what the fuck is that? Told me about it. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And then I, you know, me, I blabber. I'm on this fucking podcast blabbering about my family. I blabbered about it onto the into the Discord. And people were like, what the fuck is that? So that's what I knew. Like, <clears throat> yeah, this isn't just like us thinking something's off, right? Yeah. So you think that's fucked up, Jess? Uh, that is extremely fucked up. I mean... I I can't get over like the lesson that your nephews learned from that. Like it would have never occurred to me that it's possible to go to grandma's house and not go inside or like just pick up do like basically do pick up picking up takeout from her. Exactly. Like wh- what the hell? It it, it it encapsulated everything that's wrong, right? Cuz it's like mm-hmm. you're not going for the pork chop. You're going for being with your grandmother. Yeah. Right. The pork like how, chop that's... is an excuse to see your grandmother, and mm-hmm. they came about it like, no, the grandmother is just the pork chop factory. Yeah, free no? pork chops. Yeah. Like, I where mean, did where did this point of view get? How did that poison the well? I I have you know? no idea how to even explain that. I'm sorry. Like, it's bizarre. How? Like, if, like okay, if if you if you're simply like um, okay, you're just hungry. You and the kids are hungry. Um, you don't want to really, you're not really in the space to deal with the, with grandma and grandpa. Okay. I, I totally get that. In that case, you just decline the whole thing and go get takeout. Yeah. Right. You don't, you're not like min maxing here. Like I don't want to hang out with the grandparents, but I do like those pork chops. So I'm just going to go in, maybe leave, I don't know, like leave a $5 bill on the counter, uh, and then, and then bounce or some shit. Um, that part just wouldn't, it would not enter my universe of possibilities for uh, things, for options and how to handle the situation. You know what a lot of our listeners are wondering right now? Mm. Is, did your sister marry a white guy? That's what they're thinking. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. All right. Well, you're thinking you wanna... that. You're like, is it because she married a white guy? She one of those, you know, no, he's, he's Chinese American. Uh, I think he's like me. I think he's ABC. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think he's ABC. He's, you know, they're both like 51 now, I think, and 52 this year. And yeah, he's also pretty hard driving, you know, sort of careerist guy and 
they have they share a lot in common and stuff but anyway uh this was upsetting and uh it it only got worse from there and it was honestly just it was some it was something that was driving me towards i'm not you know what's funny was like after i got divorced my um uh well 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 after that i went home to go visit my family and my this is this is after everything kind of was resolved and it was kind of passed and my mother was like yeah you know we were just really worried that you'd fall into like this like depression or something and i said you know what's funny is like i don't i don't really think i'm prone to that like i, I don't know like i i that was not something i was worried about and and my mom immediately was like yeah i i don't i don't really that doesn't happen to me either she was like i think we have a depression proof gene i was like you think so? <laughs> she was like yeah i've never she, she was like your dad has that tendency sometimes not really but it, he, he he might but I was like, I don't know. I just, it doesn't happen. But I will say that this was pointing me, not like I was feeling depressed, but there was a depressive air and sadness in my life because of what was going on with my sister. Okay. You know what I mean? To see the way that they were going just seemed to me like a real failure. Like a, like a really bad, basic failure I, on whose part i don't know but the fact that the, that the whole pork chop thing could could have played out the way it did and then that they would just have the grandparents literally 10 minutes away and they might as well be across the universe mm-hmm. just a failure of some sort and it was like oh my god i grew up around this dysfunction like my life is i i this is the dysfunction that i come from you know mm-hmm and I was like trending towards this very like, and my wife will would testify to this. I was like, I had, I had a lot of anxiety about this or whatever, whatever, whatever was going on. Was was this was this issue? And not only that, but it 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 was it wasn't a small issue. Like it felt worthy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't. It wasn't like I was like, hey, come on, get over it. I was like, I don't want to get over this. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, the best I could do, and I told my wife this, I told Jan, I was like, I think my role here, I was like, fundamentally, this is a, I think this is about something that happened between my sister and my mother, so it doesn't really involve me. The best I can do is try and be like, you know, try and, try and see my mom a little bit more, you know, try to reach out to my sister every now and then. I said, it's not, she's not doing this because she's happy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the best I could do was tell my mother that I think what's going on has more to do with, like, instead of being angry uh, at her, I think you might actually be better, like, maybe a little bit worried. Because I said, I don't know, but there's little bits and pieces here that tell me, like, you know, maybe maybe they're their own personal situation, like their marriage is not, there might be some tensions there. Mm-hmm. Might, there might be some difficulties there I, of, of a nature. I don't, I don't know, but this isn't like, they're great. They're happy. They're having this awesome family life and everyone's involved and they're like, but no grandparents, fuck them. They're out. You know, I was like, this is a, this is part of a general blockade, mm-hmm. you know? So, I don't know. I mean, I guess that helped a little bit, at least just to change the perspective up a little bit, but the problem is still there. I'm not Mm -hmm. solving the problem. All right. So that's for months. I'm just suffering under this oppressive dysfunction. And I got to say, it was physically uh, affecting me, you know, like like my, my heart would race and stuff when I thought about it. I would get really angry. And then I would, but there's not shit all I can do, you know? So, uh, one day I'm going down to visit, you know, I go down maybe once every three weeks or so. I try to see him more, you know? And usually when I'm down, I will, um, invite my, uh, I'll, I'll call my friend, my high school, my, my old high school buddies up and say, Hey, do you want to do some backyard beers or whatever? And so I went over to a bunch of us were getting together at my buddy's, at my friend's backyard. 
And usually I'll call my brother-in-law, right? My, my, my not a white guy brother-in-law. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll, you know, he'll, he'll kind of meet up and, and hang with us. And uh, so he, he agreed to join. And I didn't say anything, but then in the, as we were drinking, you know, what he goes, he says, um, hey, teen, can I ask you a favor? And right there, I was like, I honed right in. I was like, yes, this is, I can stick whatever this favor is. Maybe it'll be big enough. I can jam my fingers into it and pry this shit open, figure out what's going on, you know? Finally, they want something. And it's not just pork chops this time, you know? And he said, your nephew, the older one, you know, he's in high school now. He wants to be a doctor. And not only that, but he wants to be like a surgeon. You know, he wants to be a big swinging dick. And he was like, do you think that you could call your friend in Florida and see if he could like, you know, like attend a surgery, like be there in the OR, you know, up close and personal and seeing what a real surgery looks and feels like. And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm mm-hmm. thousands of dollars in the black with this guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And so I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll call him. And in fact, I had asked the guy whether I could do that. Not that I wanted to, I was just curious like, if I wanted to see a surgery, could I? He's like, yeah, sure. He's like, I just have to clear the COVID policy thing. And so I say, hey, yeah, sure, I'll set it up for you. And then, uh, and then you know, I didn't, you know, I was thinking, I didn't say much more about that. And then when he left, I was like, yeah, I'll walk you to your car. And I was like, hey, you know, what's, what's, I was like, what's going on with, I was like, you know, I know you guys are super busy with the kids. They've got all sorts of sports that they got to do or whatever. But, um, you know, maybe you could go visit my parents once in a while just because you know they're they're in their 80s you know and it was he was like he responded in a very uh encouraging way which was he didn't deny that there was a problem at all you Mm -hmm. know he immediate was was like he looked he literally looked at his own feet and was like i know i know he was like i know it's fucked up he was like but I mean, long story short, he was just like saying, not only are they really busy, but they're they're trying to work on their marriage and stuff. And I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. You guys need space. You guys need room. You guys need space. Okay, I get it. So I guess that validated my original theory was, you know, that this might have more to do with like problems that they're having and stuff. And so instead of being mad, maybe we should be a little bit more, you know, respectful of the space and privacy that they need or whatever and i told my parents this and they i think it made them feel a little bit better in the sense that at least they didn't put it upon themselves you know because it's not about them it's not really about them yeah you know it's not really about them yeah it puts you in a different position relative to the problem yeah it is about them at some level but not they're at the proximate cause you're catching fallout from it, but you're not at the you're not the source. The heart of it. Yeah, not the source. Yeah, but the, but the problem is like you know, in an ideal world, you know, um, a woman who's having marital problems or whatever should have a parent that they feel comfortable going to and talking about it. But that's totally mm-hmm. not our family. That's just not mm-hmm. our family. It, I mean, whatever. That's just not what it is. You know. Um, and so here I have now. Um, a situation where things are being put in motion because I'm being asked a favor and that starts to set up the potential for, for transactions and entanglements and, you know, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I get to work, you know, I get to work. And then a few weeks later I text them. They're, they're on vacation in Europe, uh, but they're, they're checking messages. And I said, Hey, uh, you know, brother-in-law, you know, you're going, you guys are going to Florida when you come back, you know, you're cleared. They, you know, he's, he's, he's ready and excited to, you know, have my, have your son go and visit. And it's just the two of you. Right. And he's, yep. Yep. Great. Awesome. And my sister was on that text and she was like, yes, they're very excited because, you know, no matter what, I mean, priority number one for them always is their kids. Mm -hmm. So they're going to respond when it's about their kid. Right. So I set it up and then they went uh, or well, they came back from Europe and before they went, I was, I found myself down in Maryland again. And I was, I told them, I was like, Hey, I'm coming down to Maryland. I was like, I think you guys should come over, see us, bring my nephew. And so I can tell him more information 
about what's going on, which is code for saying, I did this for you. You know I asked you to see the parents more, so you're going to bring them over. Like, I forced the fucking situation. And he said, oh, yeah, we'll be around. And I said, okay, why don't you just text me, you know, over the weekend as to when you're going to be here. And then Saturday, no text. Sunday, no text. Sunday by 4 o'clock, I texted him saying, hey, it's Sunday, 4 p.m. You know, I'm heading back to New York tomorrow. I assume we're just not going to see you. And then immediately I get a text back. Oh, we're coming over. We're coming over. Meaning like <laughs> I had a little bit of hand here now. I had leverage. I had I had uh, room to to make demands because mm-hmm. I did them a big favor. You know, and, and I and I leveraged that for everything that I got. And so I forced them to come over for the first time in like a year. It's a 10 minute drive, Jess. Mm-hmm. Bring the fucking kids over. Yeah, that's, you know? that's weird. Okay. Like I had. I had to not to move heaven and earth, but I had to I had to juice my doctor friend. You know, I had to call in that that favor. You know, I spent it on this. Fine. I'm happy I could do it. I mean, it all worked out. And so they bring the kids over. And here's the thing that's so sad is like the, the my nephews actually love hanging out with me, which not to I'm not bragging, but. Younger, like I said, like I am a natural storyteller and they, these kids love to hear stories. That's how you make sense of the world. So they, I love hanging out with my nephews. They love hanging out with me. I'm telling them all these stories. I'm telling them about their, they love strangers to get this. So they, they drop the, they come over, they hang out for about 45 minutes and everything's great. I mean, they're happy. They gave me a wedding gift. They never even called me after I got married, but then they got me a wedding gift. Uh, they were talking to my parents. Like, everything just felt, like, immediately normal just because they put in the effort to come over. And my parents were, like, they were, they were, they were to the moon on this. They were so fucking excited. My dad was mm-hmm. cooking up the potatoes. My mom was cooking up the, the – she was, she was cooking up the pork chops, you know. And um, I'm sitting here telling my stories to my nephews, and they're both – one's four – One's 16 and one's 14. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 they're both into stranger things, you know? And, and I said, why do you like stranger things? He was like, I don't know. There's something about, um, it, it's, he's like, it's like I'm hanging out with these guys while they just ride their bikes and get into adventures. And the older one actually asked this question. He says to the, and this is why I like teenagers. I think they're very, they're much, it's like fucking quantum leaps in complexity with these mm-hmm. kids you know they're like he asked this question he goes do you like that you feel you're part of the crew or is it more that you like the idea of a time in which that was the case because you know that's not how we are mm-hmm. i was like holy shit i was like that's a good question man mm-hmm. and i said it's a good question because that is how we grew up like me your sister and uh, your mother and me like we grew up this way and then i told him the story about how like yeah we would ride our bikes and then in the backyard of your grandparents' house, there was a, like a literal cannibal serial killer that we would run into every now and then. And I uh-huh. told them the story of Haddon Clark. And they were like, holy shit. And they were telling me fucked up stories about their friends. And I was like, Jesus Christ, your generation is more fucked up than people are saying. I mean, the stories that he tells me about his friends in high school are fucking insane. Like one of them had basically secretly undercover channel. On YouTube, he had 10,000 followers. He had a Patreon. No one knew mm-hmm. about this. I was like, what the fuck? He was like, yeah, he just wants to make money off the internet. He didn't, they don't give a shit about anything. That whole thing about kids wanting to be YouTube uh, influencers, it's true. Crazy. Uh, anyway, we're having this I- incredible discussion because, I don't know, I guess like I am a little bit more attuned to what's going on with the fuckery of young people than my Definitely than my parents, and I think more than my than their parents. So I, I there's a level of understanding there, you know that that we had a great conversation, and the whole thing was great. And then they, you know, I, I dropped back off at um at their house that night, talked to my sister a little bit, and then um, they went to Florida. The net, you know, two days later, and uh had it was like he said i heard that my nephew was like on a natural high after that 
that it was like one of the best experiences he's ever had. He's got these scrubs now from the hospital and he's like, those are his prized possessions. And they're very thankful that this happened. And now my sister's texting and emailing me stuff. And she's like, I want to come up to New York and hang out. And I said, yeah, awesome. Come up, you know, um, I got to say, just the turnaround has been one of the most like deeply fulfilling things I've ever experienced. I mm-hmm. have to say mm-hmm. it's a breakthrough. Not, it was a breakthrough and it was work. Like, I feel like I, I used like my resources to bring about, you know, a desired outcome. And I addressed something that was literally giving me like existential level anxiety and, and, and pain. Mm-hmm. And I, and I was able to actually turn it around and, and, uh, I was just very, very fucking relieved. I mean, I was like so fucking happy after that weekend, but not in an ecstatic way, just like in a deep, like, just like, you know, when you've been walking a long time and then you just sit down in that, mm-hmm. you know, that's what it felt like. I was just like, mm. oh, I kicked the fucking sit down. Like my soul sat down. Um <laughs> And I'm not saying like everything's fixed now, but it's just like just to see that you can move that boulder in that direction. Like it's it's even mobile uh, was huge, you know, um, I don't know if any of this makes sense, but I, I, don't, I don't even know. What I'm talking. It just it was just like a it, it just was a thing that made me uh understand deeper like sort of the stakes uh like what are the stakes and like what matters and what causes me like real prop like what really hurts you know what really you know all that stuff anyway Mm -hmm. it was probably one of the more meaningful uh little 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 rounds of favors that happened in my life and I don't know. I, f- I figured I'd just tell the story just because uh, it's nice to get it off my chest. Because anything uh, broadly applicable, if you're yeah, hitting a roadblock, it's worth pushing through. Or what? What would you say? Uh, well, I just I guess I never considered my family to be particularly dysfunctional. I knew we were dysfunctional, but like, you know, it's not like I go around being like, oh, I came from a fucked up family. I didn't. It's just you know, normally dysfunctional. You know dysfunction mm-hmm. within reason and i figure most people come from a family like this you know i don't i don't really believe in functional families <laughs> you know? uh they're all dysfunctional they're all dysfunctional. in their own special ways yeah it's that dostoevsky quote um all happy families are happy alike i'm butchering it um all miserable families are miserable in their own special ways but i, I like mm-hmm. even um but even like that's not even to say it's a it's a bad family. That's just a normal thing. All families are have something that's that's suboptimal at least. If you think yours isn't, you're just not paying attention. Or you've yeah, I mean, you've normalized some level of dysfunction as okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not a. That's the thing. It's like for me, it just became not okay because not because here's the thing. Because it doesn't have to be this way, mm-hmm. right? There's some dysfunctions where I'm like, fucking, it's hopeless, you know, whatever, you know? There's things that I just can't fix. And mm-hmm. it's okay. You learn to deal, you learn to live with that. It's like missing a leg or something. What the fuck am I going to do? Grow another one? Well, you know, yeah. figure, figure a way around it. We'll put an artificial leg on, you know, you learn to. Uh, but this one was like, there's no reason for it to be like this, you know? This is stupid. Um, and so. I, you know, this became the number one priority in my life for, for months. I was like thinking about this all the time, you know, I don't even know Mm -hmm. why, because I could have just left it alone. I could have just been like, look, my original position was, this is between my sister and my mother. What do I care? You know, uh, what do I care? But I'll tell you the fact that I decided to, to try and intervene here. And then I got a positive outcome. Uh, it really gave me a huge boost in in confidence and like I don't know, huge boost in uh, validating like a pos a, a, a new uh, 
val- validating like my priorities, you know, because I feel like I prioritized the right thing because the payoff was so good, you know. Um, so yeah, you know, putting these family fucking problems, you know, at the top of the at the top of the pile, and doing you know instead of just saying like just giving it like it's. It would be. It would have been very easy. Just at many, many, many points in my family life, where I'd just be like, "I'm gonna give up on these people," because they're fucking. This is crazy, you know. Like this is not well, the first family dysfunctional thing that's been that's happened. What does giving up on them even mean? Like, like you know what? I'm just gonna go live my own life, and then they'll sort their. The only thing I care about is I'll see them maybe three times a year, two times a year, mm-hmm. you know. And other than that. I don't really need much of a relationship with any of these people because this is giving me more problems than I'm getting from it. You know, and that was a that's another thing I want to say is that I have had a very subtle but a gradual but but like tectonic shift in how I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay? Which is I will no longer say, I would no longer say something like, I'm not getting a lot out of this, so I'm just not going to participate in this family anymore. I would not say that because I don't think in terms of what I'm going to get out of it. I only think now in terms of what can I do? How can I help? What is my role here? What moves can i make what kind of story can i start writing here what kind of drama can i start to impose on other people how do i interject myself into this situation where i'm now the center of the story <laughs> you know like how do how do i build a drama around my around myself in which everything i touch turns into a fucking story and <laughs> <laughs> does that make sense like i'm no yes. longer I just don't think about what do I get out of this? I know what I get out of this. I get, I, this is just my playground now. You know, the world's my playground. I'm there to, you know, these situations are like opportunities for me to go and see what I can do about it. Um, and it just, it's a very, uh, free, it free, it's a very freeing way to think. Because I'm no longer just always accounting for like, okay, well, what do I get? What do I get out of this? Because, you know, a lot of times you don't really get much out of it. You know, like net net coming out of everything. I'm still down a few thousand dollars. And it was my nephew who got to see the surgery, you know. <laughs> so if I'm doing strict accounting, I got nothing, you know. But yet I here I am. I, I'm feeling fucking amazing. For, for weeks I felt amazing because of You're this. still riding the high. I'm still riding the high. This is this is um, a different kind of high, Jess. This is that it's a serotonin shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the deep Good. cut. Yeah, so, it's the durability of uh, serotonin versus dopamine. Yes, so there was no actually, dopamine payoff here. There's if none. you're if you're actually looking for you know return on investment, then that means that a thing that can get you high for you know what is it like two months now? That's a much better deal yeah. than splashing out on a on a on a watch or some shit. About a month. About a month. Okay. It's starting All to right. go down a little bit, <laughs> but no, but it, but the but but it is that it's that feeling of just like, yeah, I did the right thing. Like I figured out the right moves. It's like I solved. I solved it. I solved the fucking problem, you know. And it just it, you know how huge that is just to be like take a big ass problem that bugs the shit out of you, and to actually solve it. Not forever, but like make a meaningful un- unentanglement of this knot. It feels um, cleansing. It's worth it. Does. Doing. It feels fucking great. Mm-hmm. I'm just reporting to you that I'm feeling fucking great. And how I ended up here, I think, is just a story that I wanted to tell. Um, and you never know. That's why that's why when I'm at the strip club, I'm like, I'm gonna throw down money, but I'm gonna throw it down for my friend. Because I realize that stories begin with a debt. It, they begin with an imbalance of payments. Someone owes something to someone. That's how you start. You got to, you know, if like, if you want to fix things, you got to go and do, you got to put something out there to create an imbalance in the books so that there's this, 
this given this there's this ebb and flow of favors and IOUs and you know like you know what I mean like you you can't just always live a life where you're always quickly uh sidling up the bill. Yeah. You can't always split the check. You can't always go Dutch. Sometimes you got to jump on that grenade and dramatically take one for the team. Why? Because you got to think like a bank, you know? Yes, I'm giving you money, but the asset is mine, right? <laughs> so, you, you know, yeah, you got to be like a you got to think like, you know, a little little layer down. Because if you're always getting paid back immediately, if you're always going Dutch, you don't have any in. You're not getting your fingers through. You're not prying into the room. You know? <laughs> so always try and fuck it up with with your friends and family and whatever. If you want to get more involved with these people, start paying. Start building up debts. Or let them pay. Whatever. But as long as the books are out of balance, you got a chance. There's There will be another page, another chapter. As long as the, the balances are not settled. But every, the more you settle balances, the more everyone immediately Venmos each other, the harder okay. it is. To, and I mean that figuratively. Not, I'm not just talking about money, of course. But you know what I mean? Like, it's got to be this vague notion of like, yeah, he got me last time. And so, or I got him last time. And... So I was in that position where when the, my brother-in-law asked me, would it be cool? Would it be okay? Look, if I hadn't seen my friend in three – I hadn't seen him in three years until I went down there. If I hadn't – if it was still three years that I had not seen him, I would feel very awkward calling him up and asking that question. But since I did see him and we had this crazy fucking weekend that was like – you know, I mean, listen to the pod if you want to know what happened. But like you know, a very meaningful weekend for us as friends – um, I immediately knew this is not going to be a problem when I call it in. So yes, I will mm-hmm. do you the favor. Mm-hmm. Um, if that, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just if I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm monologuing here, but and that's kind of what this is. Keep I'm it sorry. short and sweet. This is a yeah. anecdotes. Yeah, the <laughs> personal anecdotes. Plan <laughs> A: calling W's. Yeah, Talking yeah, about their, their wins. Yeah, Plan sometimes a you gotta, sometimes has the one wins here. Sometimes you got to call in the wins. Mm-hmm. I, I will say there's an Asian as maybe an Asian American aspect to this, which is that um, I never thought, and I think you and I share this, is my family is dysfunctional for sure, and I'm sure everyone else's family is dysfunctional, but I never linked that to us being Chinese. Or Asian, and in fact, a lot of times, or most of the time, when I considered our dysfunction, I considered it as a result of our immigration to America. So it was actually the American side of the Asian American identity, family identity, that I thought was causing most of the dysfunction. So that makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I've always blamed America for our dysfunction because, mm-hmm. and I do not absolutely, and this is you and I certainly share this is I do not have any rose-colored glasses when it comes to white families. No, mm-hmm. I don't care that they call each other by the first name. No, I don't care that they're casual around each other. No, I don't care that their parents are not hard asses and talk to their children like friends. They are dysfunctional. Yeah, they right. really are. It's the same forces acting on all of us, right? Like the same demographic trends that are hitting white families are hitting all families. Yeah. So, I mean, just I, I sometimes just read, like, am I the asshole on Reddit? You'll see the whole <laughs> panoply of, of bullshit. It's such a great subreddit. It's such a <laughs> I highly encourage Reddit. this. Yeah. Um, I mean, that'll disabuse you of any notion that there is a there that there is any peculiar like racial element to this. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I fully hear that and, and believe that. In fact, like part of the dysfunction is like uh, expecting things to be like our parents made a bet by coming here. Right. Like if they if they had um, if they had their if they were convinced that life would be worse here than back home, they probably would definitely not have done it. Right. They rolled the dice and they took they took that gamble. Um, That puts a lot that ups the ante quite a bit 
on your expectations for how life uh, turns out, right? You're putting mm-hmm. in a lot more work. You're fighting an uphill battle in a in a hostile place um, because you are betting that it'll pay off in the end. Um, you got you got a lot of like psychological shit working against you here, right? Like uh, like sunk cost fallacies working against you, right? You mm-hmm. got the pressure to actually succeed, right? To exceed expectations. Um, all of this stuff can cause toxicity in a marriage and a family. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's not it's not peculiar to it's not even saying like oh this is America fucked us up it's or or China or Korea or Asia fucked us up it's it's the trans it's the process of trans like transitioning and translating that ex, that familial expectation into a whole different society. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, you know, I think the way I would describe to to back up what you're saying, um, I would go so far as to say that the way that traditional family works. And I think like if you go to China or, and I'm sure if you go to Korea, um, you know, extended family and sort of traditional family culture still is relatively strong. I know it, it will break down too under, under, you know, sort of like modern stressors. Right. And it is. So you see the similar dynamics starting to emerge, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, again, evidence that this this is no this isn't even a particularly cultural, much less a racial thing. Um, There's like an economic aspect to it. too. You know, there's a whole capital. I think I mean, I know it's like everyone says capitalism is the fault of everything now, but it is, I think, you know, a huge factor in this. Well, Um, like it had being forced by the conditions around you to invest more in, say, your job than your family, right? Mm-hmm. That's a huge thing that's going to have ramifications across all kinds of uh, cultural dynamics. That that cuts against the grain of every social imperative we've lived with since, you know, the you know, since our ancestors came down from the trees or some shit, you know? Sure, sure. Um, so, like, whatever the macro organizational principle is, if it's a situation where you need to work more than you need to take care of your your friends and family like that's going to tilt things a particular way and your ability to relate or solve problems for them um Mm -hmm. to enjoy your time with them right like and that's just that's scratching the surface of this that could be a whole you know that could be a whole thing on its own but um just saying i i like my family's dysfunctions are different from yours but i still understand how it manifest like i still understand how it emerged you know sure. what I mean? Sure. Yeah. There, there might be. I, there's probably a common element to it, and I think America is largely going to be factored. You know, I think America, yeah. being in America as second generation, you know, children of immigrants, is is a huge part of it, is it not? I mean, yep, I the direction so. that takes is is a pachinko ball, but it's fallen. You know, mm-hmm. and I would go so far to, as to say that when you take the way traditional family extended family networks actually work, which is never as pretty and idealized as we like to talk about sometimes, you know, it's a petty little fucking thing that's going on. You know, it's a ring of pettiness and, you know, (laughs) monkey, it's monkey shines, you know? Um, But when you take the extended family, the traditional extended family that we see outside of America and and is very strong in Asia, and you implant it into America. I would go so far as to say, from the perspective of an assimilated Asia, uh, American, which I was, I think I have actually deassimilated to a large extent. But I, like, for example, my my wife, her family is less assimilated than mine, and she also has more extended family here. And I would say that at first, I actually viewed that as dysfunctional the way that they would get all up each, in each other's business and you know they were like arguing all the time and little over little things and stuff and from my perspective as this assimilated american i was like what are you doing this for what do you need to do this for and now with after you know i've taken a lot of cues from her and i jump you know because I, I love my wife and i jumped right into this with her and i instead of judging it i was just like observing going how does this work how does your family work and I started to learn. I was like, ah, a lot of times, you know, it's it it's it's it it you're you you want to get petty because you need just these little excuses to continue the drama. You need reasons. You need plots and stories. That's all. That's what this is. And I, 
the more I observed, the more I started to understand that, the more I started to say, like, you know, what if I tried to apply that into how my fucking family... What if I viewed my own family as dysfunctional for lacking story? We don't write stories. We don't create narratives. We don't have little petty dramas. We don't have any fucking dramas. It, we don't... There is nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing going on. There's no plot. There's no intent. You know, even like that's why my mom was so excited about the pork chop. She was like, ah, we're going to get a little debt here. They're going to come over. I'm going to take care of them for the weekend. She'll feed, you know, like things will start happening. Nope. Drop off the pork chops to the slot, grandma. Yeah. Right. So I was like, you know, maybe it's my job to take what I've learned, having spent my time with my wife's family and try and implant that seed into my family see what will happen what happens if i my my wife goes to bed thinking about her family telling me stories and about the family it's she's like a fucking encyclopedia of stories mm-hmm. and i've got nothing <laughs> she mm-hmm. she'll be like falling asleep she'll be like okay tell me a story i'm like i got no stories <laughs> i got nothing <laughs> so i'm like all right let's go make some stories now i now i understand because i'll be telling the story forever I'll bore the shit out of people in the future with this story, you know, but it is a story. It has a beginning, middle and end, you know, Um, and and everyone is part of like all the key people are part of the story. They have they have little roles in it, you know, so. Yeah, that's all I got. It's a good one. Let's keep it short and sweet. It's short and sweet. Nice. Okay, that's all I got. I'm Plan fine. A gets a gets a win. That's, Plan, a that's gets a win. <laughs> Plan A gets a win. It's a feel. This is a closing out the summer. I don't want to bum anyone out. I will tell you my problems, but I will not tell you my problems unless I have some meaningful solution or conclusion. Because if I just tell you a problem, that's not a story. The yes. story has to have an ending. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There it is. If I had not addressed this, if I was just suffering through this. And I had that feeling in the pit of my stomach, like, oh, my God, my family's just going to wither off on the vine and just fall off and we're all going to die alone. I wouldn't tell you that because that's not mm-hmm. a story. That sucks. There's hope. <laughs> and if you have that shit in your life, and I'm sure you do, everyone does, mm-hmm. you got to think of it as you're in the middle of the story. How do you what's the next step here? What's the you know, you got to keep mm-hmm. writing it. Well, <sighs> there's a there's a there's a um, Greek guy from like 5,000 years ago. I forget. I think it's Xenophanes or, or mm. something. Someone. Um, Sounds good. Sounds about right. Xenophanes. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm really like working on the, you know, the authority. Good old Xenoph. There we go. Yeah. Um, one of the things he said was, um, don't ask what is going to happen to me. Ask, uh, ask yourself what actions you are going to take. Yeah. Right, like one mm-hmm. asking yourself the first one is it's assuming that you're a passive actor, and a lot mm-hmm. of ways we are, right? Let's let's be let's be straight about that, right? Like clear, um, a lot of things are going to just simply happen to us, and there is very little you can't you can do about it. Uh, but thinking in terms of what's going to happen to me um, kind of blinds you to the things that you are actually able to do. So stuff mm. like shifting a family dynamic, right? Uh, cultivating better relationships with people, not even new relationships, people who are already in your life. That is something in everyone's control. Yeah. Right? Like there is no such thing as a dynamic that just, like an interpersonal dynamic that just happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, everyone involved had a part to play. And how it, how it turns out is everyone's, it, like it's a very clear relationship there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, I, I happen to like it, like that, that frame of thinking. It forces you to kind of think, what, what can I effect change on? Yes. Um, and it's a, it's a helpful mindset to just keep on you. As opposed yeah. to just thinking, oh, God, like we're all going to die in a fiery inferno of climate change. We, all, we, we probably are. Uh, but, you know, it's so long as it's not like tomorrow. Right. There's yeah. shit you can do. You can pick up. Yeah. The, okay. Even if it is tomorrow, you can pick up the phone and call your, call your mom. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Look, so. even the great novelists, when they're writing their stories, they don't really know how it's going to end. They're, you know, like they're, they're also in, well, not, I mean, sometimes, sometimes they, 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 they spill it, you know, they outline the whole thing, but like, you know, a lot of times when they're writing, they're not sure how it's going to end. And I think life is like that. It's like, but you gotta, you got, like I said, I think you've just got to start creating imbalances. Mm-hmm. 
it's like going in a pool. You've got to start making waves, right? Yeah. And then that will create the necessary dyna- dynamism and action for there to be little little spots of opportunities, you know? So do not, I don't know. I just want this, I want younger people to like not get into this. And I see this a lot with younger people. Like they like to pay each other back instantly. They don't like commitment. They don't like entanglements. They don't like things hanging over their heads. They always want everything cut off clean. They want their, they want their accounts settled. And the, it, this is the app world, the world of apps where you can instantly settle everything all the time is mm-hmm. making writing the story of your life more difficult. Not, not that's not making it easier. Um, the more credits are created, the more debt is in the air. Social, not just money debts, social debts. The more favors are owed, the more interesting life will be, the more opportunities there will be, the more potential outcomes there will be. And then the more you can do this Xenophanes thing. <laughs> the, yeah. When, <laughs> z- xenomorph. Uh, the more xen- <laughs> Yeah. The more xenomorphians uh, things you could do, which is like, you know, you could start, um, you could start, ma- you can start doing shit because little, op- there's little, there's now there's these little holes that you can pry your fingers into and try and break that door open. Um, but if you just everything's settled every all the time, everything's paid back immediately. You know, every little level, little imbalance is leveled out right away. And you think that that's conducive to good relationships. It is conducive to monotony and lack of opportunity and social dynamism. Mm-hmm. And I see, I don't know. I see young people doing this a lot these days. You know, they're always going Dutch. They're not making that big gesture of like, yo, I'm taking you all out. And, you know, no one's doing that. Mm-hmm. Every, you know, everything is so Dutch. <laughs> We're turning into Swedes. Pretty soon, it's true. Pretty soon, you know, we're not going to feed our guests <laughs> if we keep going down this route. We're going to be fucking oh, Swedes. We're going to be IKEA. I've heard of people um, Venmo requesting uh, dinner guests that they have over. It's already happening, man. That's insane. Yeah, right. You mean like because they cooked, they want they were going to Venmo yeah. a request for like yeah. share of groceries? This yeah. is not a fucking proper culture. Nope, that's not. You can't have every, you can't every have, stable culture leverages social debt to maintain and nurture social ties. This is anti-Asian discrimination. I, I, there we have it. Yes, <laughs> Asians don't do this shit. Nobody we incur does this. debts. No, no, nobody from a civilization that has lasted, you know, uh, like thousands of years does this. Like the old ones, all look pretty similar yes yes because it works this is the this is how you nurture a thing for thousands of years yes like the proof is literally you think chinese are the only one who fight for the bill you see what i'm saying yeah everyone thinks they're the they're they're the race of people that fight for the bill Mm -hmm. why do they fight for the bill everyone like like somebody was talking like oh like i'm uh like uh like lebanese or something i just paid i just paid the bill on my way to the bathroom but you know it's about to be world war three at the table you're like that's some some chinese shit what are you talking about (laughs) all all civilizations that had to that 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 survived does it this way and i think it's on all of us to pay attention to that Mm. and wonder what it is about it that works so well yeah yeah, I th- I think we figured some shit out, Jess. I think we did. I think we figured some shit out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm glad we did this because lately we have been I mean, we're getting really good feedback from people on the series of pods that we did with you, Jess, and Pix, and Chris, and me mm-hmm. about the you know sort of the creepy direction that Asian blue checkery has gone. Uh, and I don't know. I, I am appreciative of those comments. So if you guys have um, feedback and stuff, critical, you know, constructive, someone someone dropped a comment in, in, in the SoundCloud about how some of us don't really give other people enough time to talk, you know, which is not an uncommon uh, comment that we've seen. Tr- tell us. It's all, you know, all the feedback is good. Like if if you have a criticism to make of us, we're all ears. 
Um, if you, there's something you want to hear about or whatever, yeah, let us know. Drop us a line. Um, I think our email is in the show notes. Editor. It's always. Yeah. And our, so our social, social medias too. So, so yeah. Yeah. D, you know, DMs or whatever. All right. Um, I feel good about this. I got to bounce. Yep. Yep. I know. Um, All right. I as well. But uh, thanks so much, Jess. Yeah. As always, fun, it was a pleasure. Fun times. All okay. right. Bye. Till next time. Bye.